Fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had ceased speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fish. And as their nets were breaking, they beckoned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sing. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. 
For he was astonished, and all who were with him at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Peace be to you who reads the good tidings. Glory to you. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I was sitting in my office this morning, and I was facing the windows that look out onto the parking lot, and I was noticing the trees that line along the fence between the condominiums and our parking lot. And this is something that I've already kind of shared with the Bible study group on Tuesday morning. But I couldn't help but notice the beauty of the leaves of those trees and all of the different colors that are already starting to show as fall presents itself. And it just caused me to think of all the intricacy and the texture and the individuality of what God has created in terms of trees, different kinds of trees, people, different kinds of people, lakes, oceans, rivers, the beauty of God's creation and how ordered it is and how much He must love us. Because we're the only part of His created world that can appreciate it can understand the complexity and the awe of it and can understand that He has made it for us to give thanks. But not just that, but for us to understand just how big God is and how powerful He is and therefore how much He loves us and is taking care of us. And I also, as I was sitting there, was reminded... Because those of you who know Mrs. Crisis Regas, she passed away just uh, uh, yesterday. And if you knew her husband, Dr. Dimitri Regas, you would know that he was a scientist of the highest caliber. And that he had grown up in Greece, in the Orthodox Church, but that through science... He had lost his faith as he got more and more into what science could tell us. Because he said to himself, we have the explanation for all of this. And it influenced him to in a way become man-centered and trust in the intellect and the ability of man and in a way to forget about God and to make Him a fable 
something childish. But it was interesting that when he came to America and he got up there in the higher echelons of OHSU and he got this huge grant to begin to study the origins of life, at every stage that science could take them on their research team, there was a question that would always come up. Well, where does this come from? Well, where does this come from? Well, where does this come from? And as Dr. Regas and his research team went deeper and deeper, folding back layer after layer, the question never went away. And it led Dr. Regas back to faith. But even more importantly than that, it led him to a great sense of humility and awe at the smallness of mankind compared to the greatness of God. And he took that all the way to the last breath of his life and he shared that with so many people. And so I was thinking about that this morning. And I was thinking about that in relationship to the gospel. How many of us are so dulled by our own sinfulness, our own fallenness, by some of the same things that kind of deceived and trapped Dr. Regas into not noticing and being in awe like a little child of all that God has created and just going, wow. Where's the wow factor in our life as we look at creation? Maybe some of you still have it. When I was your age, I used to get on the grass and I used to look down in between the blades of grass and notice a whole world down there that would make me go, wow. And then in Colorado, those big open skies with the big fluffy clouds, I would lay on my back and I would look up and I would see those clouds float by as the wind blew them and the different shapes that they made and their, their complexity and their massive size. And I would go, wow. And it would make me think of God. And I'm sure a lot of you can sit here listening to this, remembering that yourself. But when is the last time that you went, wow, it's just the most ordinary things that are really, truly miracles? Because everything that God has created, everything that He does, all of His actions, all of His operation in the world, every single day, every single moment, is indeed a miracle. We just don't notice it that way. So we get to the gospel. And I would submit to you that one of the purposes of today's gospel is to help us to think about the greatness of God, just how much He loves and cares for us, and how He really, if we lean on Him, will help us in our life. That we do not have to carry the world upon our own shoulders like Atlas. But that our job is really just to abide in Christ and let Him bear the fruit in our lives. So let me remind you of the scenario that the Gospel presents. Jesus comes to the shores of Galilee and a large crowd of people follow him there. 
And it's early in the morning still. And he sees two boats, each with a pair of fishermen sitting outside their boats, looking haggard and worn out because they have fished all night long and caught nothing. That's a double whammy. To work the graveyard as a fisherman is one whammy. And to get skunked as a fisherman is a double whammy. I ought to know. I've been skunked many times. But not by fishing all night. Usually it's all day. So there are four professional fishermen who do this every single day of their life. And they do it with all the pressure of livelihood, of being a wage earner of trying to put money on the table and to support their families. They're washing their nets. They're defeated. They're down. But they're not done working. They're getting ready for the next day, not knowing what the proposition of that would hold. Would it be a day that they caught fish or would it be another skunk day? And Jesus comes to them at that time And he chooses Simon Peter's boat. And he says, Simon, can I use your boat to teach these people? Let's get in it and let's shove off a little from the shore. And I'm going to turn back to the shore and face all of these people and begin teaching them. So Simon Peter, really exhausted, not having a good morning, happens to have the best seat in all of the area of Galilee to the Lord's teaching. And so the Lord continues to teach the people. And Simon Peter gets to listen to all of this amazing, authoritative teaching about the kingdom of heaven, about the purpose of life, about truth, about all of the virtues, about the commandments, a little about who God is, and a lot about who Peter is, as he's sitting there listening. And when all of that teaching is done, he then tells Peter, and Andrew happens to be in the boat with him, because they're partners, Peter, let's push out into the deep. Let's get out of the shallow water. And let's see what happens. Now I want to stop at this point and say that Jesus has four things that he is chiefly concerned about. One, he's chiefly concerned about teaching the people the truth. For the truth sets us free. It kills the ignorance that brings death. The second thing Jesus is chiefly concerned about, believe it or not, is the physical and material well-being of those disciples, those future disciples of his. He doesn't just care about their spiritual life, but he also cares about their material well-being as well, just like he cares about ours. Thirdly, he really wants them to understand who he is. It's not by accident that he came on that day, under those circumstances, and asked to get in Simon Peter's boat. He knew that James and John, who also would become disciples, were watching everything, listening to everything, noticing everything. He really wanted them to become his disciples. And this was a strategic move on his part to that end. And fourth and finally, he wants them, and by extension us, 
to realize that apart from Him, they and we can do nothing. How many of you get up in the morning and the first and overwhelming thought in your mind that day is, what a great day. I can do nothing. I can accomplish nothing. I am powerless. I am impotent. I have no idea what is going to happen today. These are not the first thoughts that I would imagine go through your mind. I bet you wake up thinking, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I have this meeting, these important people, I got all these things I gotta do and accomplish, and you are tempted to just throw on your pants, put on your shoes, and start checking off those things on the list. But nowhere would we ever confess and be extremely aware that I can't do anything unless I first plug into God, abide in Him, and let Him through me bear fruit and take care of the needs of this day. This is the fourth and most important and final thing that Jesus wants to accomplish through the events of this day that are recorded in this Gospel. So what do we learn from what Jesus does? I would submit that there are many things we could learn, but I want to talk to you about four things that Jesus accomplishes for our sake in this Gospel. First, Peter has fished all night long. They tried everything. Okay, They didn't drop their nets in one place. They dropped their nets, came back, pulled them up, checked them, went to a different place, same thing, again and again and again. Extremely hard labor, pulling those nets up and getting them untangled and then dropping them out there in such a way that they're going to catch fish over and over again all night. Fishermen are optimists by nature. Every single time they think it's going to be the time, but it didn't happen for them. Jesus, when he pushes out into the deep with Peter, he says, Now I want you to drop your nets. Peter goes to Jesus, Master, I have tried all night long and I have come up empty. And he could have left it there. But he says, At your word, I will do it. The first point I want us to learn from today's gospel is that... God rewards an obedient heart way more than He rewards man's toil. He doesn't want your hard work as much as He wants your obedience. Not only was Peter obedient, but look what happened. Those nets filled up with so much fish at the command of God that not only was Peter and Andrew's boat filled, but so was James and John's. And to such a degree that the boats, both of them, were literally in danger of sinking had it also not been for the Lord's power and authority to get them safely back to shore. Wow. You see how his obedience was rewarded. The second thing we learn from this gospel is that action speaks louder than words. Peter had listened to the teaching of Jesus for hours. And when Jesus was done, he said, Master. But 
when the Lord acted in the miraculous way of filling those nets with fish, Peter fell down on his knees and said, Lord, and there is only one Lord in Peter's mind. He looked up at him and he said, Lord God, what is going on? Who are you? And so action speaks louder than words. Jesus taught all day. But when he acted, then and only then did Peter recognize him for who he was. The same, my dear brothers and sisters, is true for us. We can say all the right words. But we need to accompany those words with deeds and action. The people out there in the world who are hungering and thirsting for truth, they've already heard about Christianity. They've already been inoculated. But what they need to see is Christianity in action through us. They need to see the virtues, the humility, the self-sacrifice, the love, the commitment, the constancy. They need to see forbearance. They need to see holiness before them. Accompanied with words. The third thing is that a confession of our unworthiness before the presence of God is more precious to God than all of the gems and the gold and the money in the world. As soon as Peter saw what had happened, he fell on his knees and he said, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He didn't really want the Lord to depart from him. The point is that he was confronted with his own unworthiness in the presence of someone so awesome. He was literally like a child who said, Oh my gosh, I am unable to bear what I am in front of and in the presence of. So the awareness of sin leads to a person's repentance Repentance leads to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ leads to rebirth and salvation. Every single day, if we could just come into the awareness and the sensitivity that we are in the presence of God and go, Wow, I am a sinful human being, and confess that. And to see that in the light of Christ, girded and supported by His love for us, then that would lead every single day to sincere and deep repentance, which would unite us even more to Christ and would free us and let us experience the kingdom. Fourth, and finally, the fear of God, which Peter experienced, led to the love of God. Because after Peter knelt down and said, Lord, I am a sinful man, depart from me, That's when the Lord knew that Peter was ready to drop his nets and to leave his boat and to follow Jesus Christ. And then and there, Jesus could say, From this moment forth, you will no longer be fishing for fish, but you will be fishing for men. For my church is going to be your new boat. And my gospel is going to be your new net. And I am going to send you out to all the nations so that you can harvest every person to come in through the gospel into the kingdom through the church. 
when we fear God, that translates into the love of God and that makes our hearts and our minds and our inner disposition ready to follow Him wherever He wants to send us. So my dear brothers and sisters, God is actually asking to get into our boats, to come into our hearts, to fill our minds. And he's getting in there and saying, Now, David, let's cast out of your comfort zone. And let's go into the deep. Out of the shadows. Out of the shallows. Out of the puddles. And let's go into the deep. Where you can put to the test your trust in me. Put to the test that you love me. And that you know that I love you. So that you cannot try to do everything yourself when you wake up in the morning. But your first thought will be, Wow, God is with me. Who can be against me? God will help me do everything that I need to do on this long list of things. He never asked Peter and Andrew and James and John to cease working. But the work changes. Rather than them feeling the burden of putting fish in their boats... The burden becomes, will I dwell and abide in Christ? Will I surrender my heart and my fears and my anxieties and my worries to the Lord so that He can bear fruit in me? So my dear brothers and sisters, let us let Him into our boats. Once in there, He is not going to take from us. He is going to give to us super abundantly as He did to Peter, James, John, and Andrew. Amen.